Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able. Who's that? (laughs) Now to him who is able, not us, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. There is power working in us. Power working for us. Power working through us as believers. Amen? And he is able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think. And I don't know about you, but but I, I ask the Lord continuously, help me to believe For that that's bigger than what I can believe. You got some unsaved family. You're discouraged. Struggled with, will they ever be saved? Well, here's the good news. You're saved, aren't you? You think they're worse than you were? Come on, that's somebody. That's a word for somebody this morning. Don't lose hope in your loved ones. Because if God can save you, (laughs) he can save anybody. And he is well able. I've been having this word stirring me for a few weeks. And I thought it was just for me until this week. And Holy Spirit said I could share it with you. But it's a word that he's just been challenging me in. And it has to do with a couple of words. The word either impossible or possible. And the word imagine or imagination. To imagine the impossible. Matter of fact, I changed my title so many times yesterday. Matthew called me this morning and said, which one is your title? (laughs) It started out with being imagine the impossible. And then I thought, I don't like that. That's negative. So changed it to imagine the possibilities. Then I changed it to just imagine the possible. And some of you might think, well, Pastor, you gave us a good report last week. Everything should be going good. No, no. In the middle of victory is no time to stop pressing into the kingdom of God. Amen. It's not a time to sit back and say, well, it's all done now. No, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to be out and about believing for all that God has for us. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says, Jesus looked at them and said, Now, you have to go back and read the 26 verses ahead of that, but I don't have time this morning, so read it later. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, with man, it is impossible. How many of you feel like the Lord has put something in your heart at some point in time in your life, and in the natural, it seemed impossible? All of us. With man, it is impossible, but not with God. For how many things? For all things are possible with God. So think about this word for a moment, imagine or imagination. Biblical imaginations, the process of or power of forming a mental image of something not real or present. And I'm going to add a word, yet. Not real or present yet, but you begin to imagine it. Imagine your unsaved child saved. 
Imagine your zero negative bank account. Come on, somebody. Talking your language now, I know. Imagine it with abundance. Imagine your bad marriage healed. Not divorced, healed. How many of you are married? Let me see your hands. <laughs> How many of you have struggled at least once in your marriage? Let me see your hands. I'd be everybody again. If you don't raise your hand, I'm calling you out. Because you obviously need to be teaching at our next marriage getaway in October. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll cast the lying spirit out of you. Now, if you're married, you've been through it. And, and being, going through it builds character in your marriage. I used to know someone, and every time I'd ever make statements like this, they would say, oh, you don't know my husband. We have a great marriage. We've never had one argument. And I'm thinking, somebody's already dead. Because I argue with myself sometimes. I mean about stupid things like, what am I going to wear? About put this toilet paper on where it rolls under <laughs> instead of over. Come on, somebody. Who squeezes my toothpaste from the middle? <laughs> Whose shoes are these at the door that I keep tripping over? Should I go on or, or you know what I'm talking about? If you're married, you've been through it. And how come it is that, that, that all of us marry an opposite? You squeeze your toothpaste from the bottom, he or she squeezes it from the middle. You drop something in the kitchen and you're immediately told about it. But you trip over their shoes as you walk through the door. Oh, I'm not talking about my marriage. I'm talking about y'all's marriage. I'm way too smart to do that anymore. My wife and I are about to celebrate 44 years. And three and a half years ago when I was diagnosed, I never wavered in my faith but there were times when Suzanne and I, especially right at the beginning, where we would just lay in bed and hold each other and cry. And we weren't crying because we didn't have faith. We weren't even crying because we feared that I was going to die from what the doctor said. They're just emotions that come up that you're not ready for. And so the only thing we needed to do was just cry through it. The week after I was diagnosed, I left on a missions trip with eight incredible people here from the church. And on the bus, because I had not announced it to the church yet, on our way out of the country, I told them what had happened. And I told them, this trip is not going to be about this diagnosis I just got because we're going to Cuba with, on a mission and we blah, blah, blah. We're, we're, I just speak in faith. But our little group, every time we got in the bus, we just started crying, the whole group, eight of us. Plus our Cuban buddies, they cried too. We'd turn on worship music and just be blaring it. We'd just be singing the top of our lungs and crying. And the people around me weren't people that didn't have faith. I, I knew I could lean on them. I knew I could glean from their faith. But there are times when you just go through something and you can't explain it, but sometimes it's good men to cry your way through it. Amen. You're not less of a man for crying. Because I cry all the time. I'll put my manhood up next to any of you manhoods don't think you can cry. But imagine the ability to see what isn't present. 
when we went to Little Rock for the first time, I actually went out by myself and I met two people uh, that were in the same boat I was. One of them was 10 years younger than me. One of them was about 14 years younger than me. One of them, like myself, had had a first transplant. The other was a young man uh, from Oklahoma who, on his 50th birthday, he bent over to tie his shoes, big old healthy, strong country um, farmer man, and uh, bent over to tie his shoes. His, him and his wife were going to go to breakfast, and he heard snap, 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 and he broke three vertebrae in his lower back. The next day in the hospital, after much testing to find out why his, his bones broke for no reason, he was diagnosed uh, with multiple myeloma and given the same basically diagnosis as me. So uh, the first day that I went to meet my doctor, these two folks, because in Little Rock they see three to seven new patients every single day, five days a week from all over the world. And that's all they treat is multiple myeloma. So we met, we ended up crisscrossing because all of us had the same appointment. So all day for three days, we just kept seeing each other in these clinics. And we began to talk. We began to uh, share uh, some of our background, a little bit of our story. We learned quickly that we couldn't compare my story to her story, or her story to his story. Uh, but in the midst of hearing all that they were going through and what I had already experienced for a year, I began to imagine. I began to put Holy Spirit, faith-filled imagination to what I was having to deal with. I knew and believed that they needed the same thing. But everybody has to walk their own journey. Can you say amen to that? I think I shared with y'all last year, both of these precious people uh, passed away. Um, Miss Beth died on Christmas Eve um, just a few months ago. And as I was talking to her husband, who is a strong believer, uh, we talked about the difficulty of the journey <clears throat> that Miss Beth had gone through, uh, more so than even mine. She had multiple other issues. But I thought as he told me, and I literally wept on the phone as Chuck shared with me uh, Beth's passing on Christmas Eve and um, the process of what all of us have to settle in our heart uh, when we go through challenges, whose report are we going to believe? Because, you know, I, I just read to us that the God we serve is well able to do above and beyond what we comprehend or even can believe. But that scripture only is activated by faith. And you can read that as you're going through nothing and get nothing out of it. You just, oh yeah, we serve a good God, a great God, an awesome God. But all of a sudden when you're going through a marital situation or a financial situation or relationship situation or a health situation, all of a sudden you have to come to a place where you begin to stir yourself, what are you going to believe? And so that's where spiritual biblical imagination comes in. What can I glean from God's word what is Holy Spirit saying to me personally? What am I stirring myself to believe? What do I need to imagine for it to come to pass? Can I believe for the supernatural? Even when I don't see it. Even when it's not in front of me. Even if my family's going through this or my finances are going through this. What can I believe for? What is it that I need to stir myself to imagine? The other word, possibilities, possible, impossible. Many of us understand impossible. We, we feel like we face that a lot on our journey, that the thing that I'm hearing 
Holy Spirit say to me or the thing I'm hearing pastors say to me or the thing I'm reading out of Scripture, man, it all sounds good, but in the natural, it's impossible. Jesus wants us to believe for the impossible. He wants us to. He challenges us. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, it is what? Impossible to please God. So anytime I'm, I, even when I'm praying, like I did last Sunday, so many folks stood. Some folks didn't stand. And I'm every bit as concerned for those who didn't stand as those who do stand. Because hear me. If we get to a point in our life where we never feel like our faith is being challenged or we're having to step out in faith, if everything we do just seems to always go, we are being set up by the enemy. Because without faith, you, you mean for my salvation? Yes, obviously for your salvation. Well, what about my finances? Well, obviously for your finances. What about my marriage? Well, obviously for your marriage. But you have to activate faith. You, you, have to, you have to challenge yourself to what is it that the Lord is stirring in me to believe for. I have still some unsaved family. Anybody else have unsaved family? If all your entire family is saved, man, you need to be rejoicing. Ask the Lord to just go ahead and take, no, don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, my dad and mom had seven children, had 17 grandchildren, had 45 great-grandchildren, yes, and one great-great-grandchild. The vast majority of my dad and mom's great-grandchildren and many of their grandchildren are not walking with Jesus. Now, bring us to a celebration of life service, bring us to a funeral, or bring us to something. Man, they can be as religious and say all the right things. But that is different than knowing and walking with God. We can always say the right thing at a funeral. Believe that everybody's right. But in all reality, there's a battle raging for the souls of our loved ones. What do you have to do to stir yourself in faith to not quit believing for their salvation? Recently, a picture popped up on my phone. I might have shared this with y'all. And uh, it was Andrew and Jess's wedding 18 years ago. Wow, I'm getting old. I was just a kid when I married my kids. But it, it, it popped up, and my first thought was, wow, what a beautiful picture. Because I zoomed in on Andrew and Jess. And then as I kind of spread the picture out, I started counting eight of our family members in that picture are no longer alive today, are in the presence of Jesus. Two of the couples, nephews and nieces, are divorced. Out of about 30-plus people in the picture, all of a sudden that delightful picture brought sadness and a sense of disappointment for those that, who had quit running the race together. Can I tell you something? Believers should never divorce. When both husband and wife both declare they love Jesus, I'll leave it at that. Now, many of you have suffered divorce. Many of you had no choice in the matter. Many of you were hurt. Many of you struggled. God redeems, God forgives, and Jesus has never stopped loving you. Amen? Amen. 
So don't ever point fingers of judgment at someone who's gone through something because you don't know but by the grace of God. If Suzanne and I weren't saved, I mean, I know she's perfect. And y'all all think she is. And I'm not. But I'm telling you, if we didn't love Jesus, I don't think we'd be together. Years ago, when we really had struggles. And can I just tell you, I, I'm so thrilled that I've lived long enough that young couple struggles are no longer our struggles. <laughs> I know what some of y'all are going through. I know what some of you young men are going through. And I just say, grace, grace for you. And I'm really glad that I grew through that. I'm glad for the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the conviction of God. And I'm so thankful that I married a woman that did not or would not easily give up on her husband. I am what I am today by the grace of God and the woman that I'm married to. I think y'all should give a hand to my wife for the woman of God she is and the strength she has been. Now, I want to read you uh, quite a few verses here out of Mark chapter 9, verse 14. This is a great story. You've read it out of several different uh, of the Gospels. But I like the way Mark writes it. Verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd. Now, just a, a little, of, you know, up front. Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up to what they call the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and they experienced and they saw uh, some of the couple of the patriarchs and Peter in his uh, typical uh, uh, quick to respond starts saying, Lord, we got to build three tents and blah, blah, blah. And in the middle of all this, God's voice speaks. <laughs> Basically saying, Peter, why don't you shut up? <laughs> and this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So they, they come off the mountain. P Peter has probably gotten quiet by then. And they're heading back down to a crowd where the disciples were. They came to the disciples. They saw a great crowd around them. And they saw the scribes arguing with the disciples. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Christ, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered, teacher. Could you imagine? Jesus asked the question. None of the disciples respond. It was somebody in the crowd that responded to why this argument was going on. Teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The heart of a father. We can look at that and judge the man for the if. But he cries out to the rabbi, to the Messiah, to the teacher, to the Son of God. If, if, if you can do anything, have compassion and mercy on us. Jesus said to him, if you can, like with a question mark, like you're questioning whether I can. He said, if you can. All things are possible. 
for one who believes. What about you? What is it that Holy Spirit's been stirring in you to believe for? Maybe it's your business. Maybe you're going through something in your business and in the natural looks impossible. Jesus says, if you can believe. He didn't say, according to what you're believing in, there's a possibility that it might come to pass for you. That's a whole different statement, isn't it? But he says, if you can believe. How many things? How many things? That means all. That means whatever it is. Is it cancer? All things are possible. Is it a bad marriage? All things are possible. Is it your financial situation? All things are possible. Is it that you're believing for a lost loved one? All things are possible. Not some things. This word, as I said, as I began, has been stirring in me because I stand up here and preach and I proclaim and declare by faith, in faith, through faith, the journey that I'm on. And I say it often, your journey is no different than my journey. You still have to believe, and I still have to believe. But our journeys require faith and a stirring of that faith to believe that no matter what it is that you're going through, for me, oftentimes, it's simply how I feel. When I don't feel good, I have to battle through to stand in faith. Sometimes when I have to go home and just lay down on the couch, guilt comes, shame comes, why, why, why am I not stronger comes. You've been preaching this, Pastor. Why not, what, what, what about how are you standing in this? See, we all go through something. Why can't I believe for my marriage? How come when I'm away from her or I'm away from him, I can really stir myself to faith and then we get together and we're like oil and water? And you have to stir yourself. Not, man, if she would just love me more or she would just meet my needs more, if he would just be kinder to me, Instead of believing God to help you be the one that changes. What do I need to do? And there are times when I lay on my couch and I have to get past beating myself up. Why don't I have more faith today? Why, why, am I, why am I struggling in my flesh? Well, I can come up with all kinds of natural reasonings. Putting these chemos in my body, dexamethasone in my body, putting all these drugs to counter the drugs they're giving me to fight the cancer. I, I have three of those drugs. And every once in a while, I even need my precious Catholic doctor to remind me what my body is fighting because it's a battle. But, but when you preach and then you go home and you're full of faith and then all of a sudden, man, you don't feel like diddly squat. You just feel like, I, I just got to lay down. And you lay down for hours. Sometimes your body needs rest. Sometimes your marriage needs rest. Sometimes your finances need rest. Sometimes your relationship needs rest. And it's in that process of resting that you begin to let that word stir in you. And as we were getting ready to go to Little Rock a few weeks ago, all the, the battles of what, what is the doctor going to say? What are they going to say this time? What I got to deal with this time? What's the report going to say this time? What's this test going to show this time? And all of a sudden you're stirring yourself to believe that no matter what they say, you're going to stand in faith and declare, I believe the report of the Lord. And I imagine myself well. This coming Friday, I'm getting on a plane at 6 a.m., 
and going to Honduras. A couple days later, Gabe and Andrew and uh, 14, 15 men from the house are going to fly down, and I'm going to supervise. <laughs> Don't worry, Gabe, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from the roofers and all they did. Can, and can I just pause for a mi- moment and say, I love how good God is. But I also love how good you people are. Yeah. Amen. You need to give yourself a hand. Last Sunday, I shared about Honduras and these men that are taking off work. They're not getting paid. They're having to pay about $1,000 a piece to go on this trip to serve and, uh, and then we're going to need this money for the uh, supplies that we had already bought in faith. And last Sunday morning, while after Suzanne had left to come to the house, uh, I was getting ready, and I was just worshiping Holy Spirit, and this is what Holy Spirit said, clear as I'm speaking right now. If you'll give the people an opportunity, they'll meet the need. And you remember what I told you last week? The supplies were going to be about ten dollars to $12,000. And I made that comment, I made that statement, and y'all gave more than twice what was needed. Come on, somebody. We serve a God more than enough. Instead of 10 or 12 coming in, 22, 24,000 came in. Matter of fact, Pastor Tad texted me this week and said, for the first time in 10 years, the only account our church has ever been in the red was in missions because your pastor gives more than y'all give. Whatever y'all give, I give more than that to those that we support. So we have been in the red for over 10 years. Is that right, Ted? Probably longer than that. But this week, your giving took our missions into the black. Come on, somebody. This next week, I'll try to get us back in the red, all right? (laughs) Because God always provides enough. And I was telling the Lord after uh, Tom had uh, done the givings report this week, uh, and I was just saying, Lord, you are so good. And the Lord said, your people aren't bad either. That's a good thing. Don't you like it that God says you're not bad either? They're not bad either. A lot of folks go from begging to begging in the name of Jesus. And I made a promise with Holy Spirit years ago, I will step down from ministry if I ever have to beg for one offering. And in 35 and a half years here, we've never begged for an offering. Give people an opportunity, just like last week in Whammo Bammo, we meet the need. God's faithful. More than you can ask or think. Think about it. What can you imagine? I was with a businessman this week who shared with us that he had been impacted by our ministry about 25 years ago as he had just started going to a church that we were supporting and helping get started. And him and his family were deep in debt, making a lot, spending more than they made. If I ask you today, man, what could you do if you had a guaranteed 150000 a month? <laughs> Some of you would do exactly what you're doing when you're making 35000 a month. You would spend 160. Debt is not of God. Spending what you don't have is not of God. And God's never going to bless it. And so my pastor friend invited me to come out and for 20 years I went out and preached in this house in California and every time except for two times when he asked me to preach or teach on fatherhood and family 
The other 18 times he said, can you come out and just revive us again with a teaching on tithes and offering and kingdom giving, seed offering, tell all the stories of what God has done in your house. This man was telling me this week, he said, you'll never know the first time my wife and I heard your word preached, we caught it. We caught it. It impacted our life. We made a decision that we were going to begin to be faithful to God's word. The tithe would never be considered again, would never be an option. The tithe is like putting your underwear on. Not your outer clothes. I'm talking about your undies. You don't go out without your undies on. Get paid $100, you owe God 10. Just go ahead and get that right in your mind. Because you can't even begin to believe God for the bigger and the better until the foundation's laid. There's no, there's no greater way that you can honor and or worship God than to be faithful with your tithe. Some folks are like, uh, man, I, 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 just don't know, I, I just don't know how I can do that. You got to settle that. I mean, I was the same way 40, however many years ago, 44 years ago. My thought was I'll tithe when I can afford it. You can't ever afford it. As long as that's your thought process. But once Holy Spirit, through my wife and her red fingernail, went into my chest and she looked at me in the eyes and asked me the question, have you been robbing God with our tithe? I wanted to backhand her. I wanted to rebuke her. I'm the husband. You don't talk that way to your husband. You submit, woman. <laughs> I was never that stupid. I know some men that I have been and are. I couldn't speak because the conviction was so strong. And when she walked out of the house, dislodged the door from the door handle, <laughs> got in our car and drove off. Only been married a couple of months. She drove out and conviction put me on my face. And Holy Spirit said, if you can't trust me with this, how can you trust me with heaven? It was just a simple question. Changed my life. That day, I confessed, and then I repented. And I only confessed one time to my wife, and I only repented to her one time. Then I lived out my repentance. Okay, it's one thing to confess, oh, God, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. But then you don't repent. See, confession's one thing. Repentance is you do a, a 180 or a 360 or whatever it is you need to do, and you go do it right. Meaning next week, you don't come up with an excuse why you're not tithing, you tithe. And to be honest, that next Sunday, I could not wait to pay our little tithe. Because something inside of me said, you're about to experience a breakthrough. Boy, would I love to tell you. Woo, man, next week, the Florida lottery called me <laughs> and offered me a ticket that was going to win. No, none of that happened. Ten years. Ten years. We walked through struggles because I reaped what I had sown for 20 years. Ten years. I stood faithful, even though we didn't see the abundance. 
beyond what you can imagine or think. God's word doesn't fail. And I proved God. Not for anybody else. I proved God for me. I know one day, Jesus tarries, I'm going to go through the door of death, and I'm going to live for eternity in his presence. There are some times when I just wish it would happen today. Not the dying part, just that Jesus would come back. Right? But there are times when I long to see the face of Christ. He doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. But if I can't live for him here and obey him here and be obedient here and serve him here and prove him now here, what confidence do I have that he has a place in heaven for me? Because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And then you don't do simply what I require of you. Is it that the Lord wants you to be broke and poor? No. He has created an avenue of blessing that comes through your obedience with the tithe. And hear me, just to clarify, your tithe, that belongs in whatever storehouse God has brought you to. If the Rock of Gainesville is not your storehouse, don't be putting your tithe in this house. It needs to go wherever your storehouse is. Now, while you're still sitting in my storehouse... I don't understand. But that's between you and God. Y'all got to get that thing together. And God's not confused. Ooh, it's getting a little quiet in here. This will set you free. Because God wants to bless you abundantly above and beyond what you can even ask or think. But he won't do it through the Florida lottery. So some of y'all need to stop. Wasting your dollars. Because if you were to win it, you'd be broken a year again. Because God's word is the only thing that's settled. This gentleman I was telling you about that shared his story. He lives beyond a blessing that I can even comprehend. He makes more money in a month than I make in about three years. And he's a tither, and he's a giver, and he loves to bless people. But 25 years ago, he was in the same boat I was when Holy Spirit had to use my wife to speak a word of correction. What are you believing for? What can you imagine? And understand the difference between spiritual imagination and religious fantasy. Oh, God, if I do this, you're going to give me this? Oh, no. That's a wrong attitude. The attitude is, I just want to be faithful to the Father. And then whatever he begins to bestow and bless, I want to be faithful with that. And show how big and awesome God is. I want to learn to be a giver. You know what? Listen to all of us older people in this house. We should be living in such a place of blessing that the percentages of our giving goes beyond what we could have ever thought or imagined years ago. Why? Because our children are grown. Our kids hopefully no longer need us helping to Buy their groceries, amen? All you older people say amen to that. Oh, you're not older? Excuse me, I'm the only one. Amen to that. And then you just begin to live out the latter days of your life getting to show the awesomeness of God. What can you imagine? What can you think? What is possible and what is not? Listen to this quote. I have no idea who quoted it, who said it. Author unknown. The way you think is going to affect the way you feel. And the way you feel is going to affect 
the way you act. So if you want to change the way you act, you need to change the way you think. For as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, 8, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I close with this. What are you thinking? What can you imagine? What are the possibilities? What is God stirring in your heart to trust him for? You have two sets of eyes, your physical eyes and your spiritual eyes. And it's through those spiritual eyes, your imagination for the impossible can begin to be stirred. I don't look through my natural eyes and say, well, this is what the doctor said, this is what I'm believing for. No, no, you got to go to what do you see in your spirit? What can you imagine? So in your marriage, can you imagine your marriage healed and whole? Where God gets glorified because of the way people look at your life and go, wow, they got something I don't have. What about your finances? Are you honoring God with what God requires? Not because he wants you to be poor and not have enough, but because he created a principle in which when you learn to trust God with it is where all the blessing will come into your life. Amen, even if only two of you can say it. Romans 8, 28, and I close. And we know that for those who love God, I love this word all, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What can you imagine? What is it that you need to begin to once again stir your heart to believe? Because it's not about getting rich. It's not about getting all your fantasies met. It's about being the kind of person God created you to be. A giver instead of a taker. A person of faith instead of a person of doubt. A person who can imagine God doing something so big that only God can be glorified in it. Amen? So that God gets the glory with our lives. So stir yourself to believe for the unbelievable, for the impossible. If you're married as a husband and wife, it's a great opportunity to get together as a husband and wife and say, what do we want to believe God for this year, next year, in the next five years? What can we do to show off the bigness of God, the glory of God, the significance of God? What purpose can I live out that I will not get the glory? Only God will. Dream the impossible dream. Because if you'll dream a God dream, it'll come to pass. God's word never fails. If God puts something in you to believe for, first of all, and I really am closing with this. <laughs> my third closing. The southern closing. <laughs> Be careful that you don't share some of the God words with people that can't handle right. your God word. Right. I don't share my need with people that have doubt, fear, and unbelief. And they look at you with pity. I told you all from day one, three and a half years ago, don't pity me. I'm walking a walk of faith that I want God to be glorified in. I don't need somebody's pity. But man, will I absolutely receive the prayers of faith 
and the words of faith and the declarations of faith from those who can stand with you and say, I don't care what it looks in the natural. I don't care what the report is in the natural. I'm believing with you for every word that God has spoken. And whatever you're going through, find those kind of people that will surround you as well. Can I tell you, some of you in the business world, you own your own businesses, you need to begin to make sure that everything you're doing in business lines up with God's Word because the promise of God is yes and amen, and He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your hands. And if you're not being blessed, it's not because God's not faithful. There are times we have to look inward and say, where did I stop believing? Man, this is good right here. Because can I tell you, there's no lack of money in the world. There is a lack of those that God can trust in the body of Christ with significant income. I rubbed shoulders this week with some people that have wealth beyond, my mind was just, like I can't comprehend. And you know what? Holy Spirit rebuked me and he said, why can't you comprehend that? Because it's not about you or it's not about for you. It's about you being a conduit that God can trust with his blessing running through you. Come on. All right, I'm, I'm quitting. Because that's a message for another day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.